Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this latest episode of The Alternate. I'm your host, Nate Schaus, and I want to thank you for being with us on this journey. And it's been really exciting for me to be able to have this this avenue and this platform to be able to to dive into God's word and to try to share a little bit of uh, my insight and what I feel the the text is saying to me and hopefully in turn being able to share that to you in a way that will help you with your daily walk. Um, A lot of the motivation behind this podcast was, you know, for me, how can I make the difficult more simpler? How can I try to help you get through whatever it is that's on your plate for tomorrow or next week, next month? Because we know that being a Christian, although it is easy, it's not easy. Uh, Putting things into practice sometimes can be very difficult. And the white space that sometimes exists between verses, you know, where we are expected to put things into practice, it can be very, very hard and sometimes confusing. And so I want this to be um, a place of encouragement, a place of rest, um, possibly a place where we can raise questions and think about things and in turn strengthen our faith and help us to learn more and to dive more deeply into God's word. And so that's my ultimate goal uh, with this overall podcast. But again, I want to thank everyone who's been listening and everyone who's been encouraging and supporting, um, submitting ideas, and especially for all of my guests. And tonight, um, I'm so honored to have um, Brother Phil Arnold from the Expressway Church of Christ joining us tonight. Um, Phil, I've known you now for, I guess it's been almost three years. Has it been that uh, long? No, (laughs) I think that's right. It seems like Um, minutes. It just seems like the time has just flown by. It really has. It really has. It's true. And it it seems like uh, that you've always been there, that you've always (laughs) been part of my life you know <laughs> that's that's what it feels like to me i really appreciate you asking me brother it's an honor to be involved and uh, i was uh, listening to the first one with david price who's a friend from way back that was so helpful and i was just really excited to get involved and i appreciate the invitation oh absolutely yeah no it's it's my honor and i know that um you bring um, so many years of experience, uh, both uh, scripturally and spiritually, but then as, as well as just, you know, life. Um, and, and that's so evident in the sermons that you bring uh, to the congregation on a weekly basis, the classes that you teach, um, and then your counseling one-on-one with, uh, with various members. So I, I know this is going to be a great benefit for everyone who gets to hear and, uh, and hopefully also broaden your, your audience and uh, give some people who've maybe never heard you um, their first glimpse into, uh, into Phil Arnold. So Well, I appreciate you, it. I yeah. think you just called me old, sort of in a roundabout way. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to overlook that as, as we move forward. Oh, no. Well, no, no, you're not old at all. <laughs> I'm teasing. I am old. That's okay. It's all right. It's okay to tell the truth. It's okay to tell the truth. Oh, Good grief. Well, tonight I, um, I wanted to continue our series on fear. Fear, of course, being something that has gripped our nation and gripped our world with this onset of the COVID virus um, that kind of popped up out of nowhere and has seemingly shut down the world. 
and how many of us um, are trying to deal with this new normalcy of not being able to leave our homes, of being locked down, of being isolated, and being completely dependent on ourselves or our spouses or our immediate family for every source of, in, you know, uh, spiritual feeding and mental stimulation and emotional fulfillment, and it, it can be difficult, um, especially spiritually, because we know that we draw on each other um, for that strength and for getting through things. Tonight, I wanted to talk about about death and about the perpetual fear that lingers on the horizon of everyone who is kind of self-aware and especially as we grow older and we become more aware of our mortality and maybe even more so now as it seems like we're just inundated with news about death and fatality. We're, we're constantly being fed numbers of hospitalizations and fatalities all across our nation and there is a fear that you know, if I contract this highly contagious disease, am I going to die? And is this the time that has been set aside for me to die? When am I going to die? Um, and death and, and the Christian, that's kind of what I wanted to, to talk about uh, with you tonight, Phil. And I don't really know of a better place to start than just the introduction of death itself, which we really see in Genesis 4. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the first death is rather dramatic. Um, the discussion about death being on the table, being an, an issue there in Genesis 3 is also um, profound in its implications. But that first event, man, that was really dramatic stuff. And there, I think God is immersing us into the the reality that is an end, which is one of the things that we pick up about death um, Im immediately is that it is irreversible. Once a person's life is taken, that's it. You know, that, that event should have outlined that very clearly for the entire race. And I don't, I don't know if anybody thought other than that when, when Cain did that, but it's a, it's a done deal. Once you take somebody's life and, how seriously God considers that. And then from that moment forward, from there throughout the rest of the scriptures, he uses life as a motivational term. He, the idea that we are, we are going to heaven, he describes that probably more often than any other way as eternal life. Mm. And so even in that, in that juxtaposition from that earliest reference to even all the things that Jesus is talking about, especially in the gospel of John, about eternal life. That's how God's motivating us. He knows we have this fear. He knows it's a real uh, haunting specter that sort of hangs over the lives of, of all the, the mortal people. And the, the realization that we are just that, we are mortals, uh, is something I think he wants us to have. And I think that's really laid bare in the new testament why does he want us to be so aware of that i don't think he wants us to have an unrealistic fear or uh, a hypersensitivity to it but i do think god it's in his plan for us to be aware of our mortality yeah and it, it seems to me that it's a it's an interesting problem in that when we see god looking at creation after he has made everything and um, 
metaphorically takes a step back to view all of creation at the end of chapter one, and then it's repeated again in chapter two, looking at everything and seeing that everything is very good, that everything is working in harmony with each other, um, that there's nothing that's creating any kind of uh, vacuum or uh, one thing is overpowering another that is a perfect harmony, a perfect unison. You know, if ever that existed in our history, it would be at that moment just after creation and while life existed in the garden. And yet then we see death being introduced, as you said, through the curses in, in chapter three and how easily that gets introduced and how easily things that are good with a twist of Satan's hands, things can go so wrong. Um, you know, that cells can metastasize and become cancerous or wounds can become infected and kill us. A bacteria and virus invade our bodies. And um, there's some things that we can do, but oftentimes it's very much out of our control. And, and I think that's really, as he's starting to sort of come to the point in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, as he's talking about Jesus uh, he references this in verse 14 of chapter 2, and as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I think that one series of statements there in chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, man, that really, that really nails it down. I mean, this is... Uh, all of those things exist around us, uh, the bacterium and the, the viruses and, and all the reality of those things. Those things could kill us. We're really quite fragile creatures uh, compared to some things, but we are maybe the most resilient of all the species. I mean, it's, we have a greater tolerance for something like temperature change. We can tolerate a greater range of that than any other species. We can live where it's really cold. We can live where it's really hot. And while there's things that can live in both of those arenas, there's very few things that can live in both like we can, the adaptability of that. So, you know, all of it ties together like you're talking about it with harmony, but you have to find that balance and you've got to strike that um, in a way that, that makes sense. And I, I just don't think there's any other way to make sense of death except through Jesus Christ. And I think that's why he lived as a mortal. I think that's why he came. I think that's really one of the main points is that he could show us this thing that hangs over all of our lives, that threatens to separate us from loved ones, to take away what we value. That thing is, is possible to control and he has the keys. And I think that's that's really why the New Testament has that value for us is because the one thing we really don't have a whole lot of control over, um, he he's shown us that he has control over it. And so it's it's a matter of tuning in to the right frequency, I think, for that issue. That's yes. And so looking at the Christian's perspective of death, should we look at it as a punishment was was death given as a punishment? Because it seems to me, the more that I've I've looked at it, especially throughout the New Testament, we we see death as the passing from one state to another. 
And so it's, it's going from the mortal to the immortal. It's the weak taking on the strong, you know, um, the flesh becoming spirit. But at the same time, it does seem to still have that connotation of the curse with it as well. Well, it's uh, because it's a consequence. Fellowship with him and, was broken in Genesis 3. There's no reason for us to live forever. And so he, he puts it in a, in, in a way that uh, we can live with him forever. But this is the, the consequence of breaking that fellowship. Uh, it's still present. And we still feel that. We still know about that separation. It, it's, again, the thing that um, pretty much all of the... New Testament writers are communicating in one way or the other that just as Jesus came here briefly, you know, in 33 years, perhaps um, he is done. He was going to be here for a short time. He knew he was going to be here for a short time. He had something to do and he got it done. And then he went to where he actually belonged. And I think that is the key to getting peace with the idea of death, if you will, even overcoming the fear of death is to say, I'm not meant to be here. This is not really what I'm all about. I know I have to be here, but uh, Peter calls it our time of sojourning. You know, the idea that this world Hmm. is just not my home. And so he begs in first Peter two begs us as sojourners to conduct our time of sojourning here in fear with morality we keep ourselves in line keep ourselves in check not getting uh, tied down we're not picking up luggage we're not picking up items we're not picking up baggage things that we're trying to take with us we travel light <laughs> we, we're 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 on the move <laughs> because we're not trying to put down roots this is not really home we live not as residents we live as strangers and then when Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, he makes it abundantly clear. When we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. Our goal is to be with the Lord. That's where real life is. That's where eternal life can be found. And so it, it's kind of ironic. The, the only way to live forever is to die. We're, we, we cannot live forever here. It is inevitable. So that's one of the other issues of mm-hmm. death is that it's not only irreversible, it is inevitable. That there is but one way out. There, there are no other options. There's no other door. You got to pass that way. And we don't do ourselves any favors by using euphemisms over much. We, we don't do ourselves a whole lot of favors by putting off dealing with that reality. Uh, something that David said, I thought was so good um, in the first podcast was talking about the fantastical nature of fear. It's a fantasy and we don't do ourselves any favors by not just being honest with ourselves. We've got to just come to grips with the idea that death is coming. So how do I, how do I make peace with that? Well, I make peace with that by saying that is something I'm, I'm looking forward to not because I, I want to die a painful way or I'm, you know, I just can't wait to get cancer. I, you know, I can't wait to be shot down in the street like a dog. I, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that we take the view that Peter took. We take the view that Paul took. We take the view that the writer of Hebrews takes. And we say, we're looking for something else. 
we're looking for something beyond this life. And the problem is we are held in bondage to this world by the one who threatens us with death. We have to make ourselves comfortable. We have to start receiving our mail as residents. You know, we, we have to settle in. We have to get down to the business of making ourselves comfortable, middle class or upper middle class or whatever. And uh, that idea is real American, but it's not real Christian. And it's not just Americans. Let's be perfectly frank. It's everybody who's ever lived. You know, they, <laughs> they're trying to make something out of this world. While there's beauty in this world to behold, there are great things to see in this world. And it is a spectacular display of the majestic artistic nature of God's imagination. It is not meant to be here forever. Mm. And it's just not going to be. And again, it's, it's up to us to deal with that in a realistic way and say, my death is coming. The end of this earth is coming. These things are things I need to kind of get used to the idea of that. Um, and instead of fleeing from it, and that's one of the things that I think everybody pretty universally will tell you, if you've got a fear of something, the way to deal with it is to face it. Don't, don't keep putting it off and deferring it. Don't keep hiding from it. Don't keep disguising it as something else. Um, just deal with it. And so that's one of those things that just has, that's not, not negotiable. We are going to leave this planet. We are just not going to be here forever. So now what? Well, that, that is what, until we come to that conclusion, we can't deal with the now what. Because the other stuff is so distracting. As long as we ourselves away from the reality, we're going to have trouble dealing with what comes next. And what comes next is, how do I live? I live as a person who knows he's going to die. I live as a person who expects that. That means I have a limited window. There are things I have to get done. I don't have a lot of time for dilly-dallying and messing around. And when Peter says, you're a sojourner, that's a clue. What is my life going to be about? Well, whatever it is, it's going to be as a person who's, you know, a tent dweller, not a, not a house builder. And I know I could be wrong, but I feel like one of the one of the greatest um, weapons that Satan has used specifically with American Christians um, and especially in the 20th and 21st centuries is the opposite of what we see happening to Job. And it's an yeah. almost overabundance right. of the blessings. Yeah. Yes. And and it almost seems like the quandary that you quoted, uh, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, we flip that around. And we've said, well, to live is gain and to die, uh, no, I really don't want to. And And how do we… Like you said, I mean, the, the perspective, I think that's such a wonderful perspective that you were saying that, you know, just the awareness of I do have a limited time and I have things that I need to accomplish while I'm here. But maybe a slight borrowing of the health and wealth gospel 
the idea that if we are doing what God wants us to do, that he is going to bless us as he did the Israelites of old. And so as I am enjoying my home and my health and my family and my car and my job and my money and the freedom with which I do whatever I want with all of those, is that not an extension of my righteousness and God's blessing of me because I'm doing what he wants. And of course right, I'm saying right. that, you know, right. as the devil's advocate, but <laughs> how do, how do we fight that? Because I feel like that's something that's very, very present among every pew of every church in America, every Sunday. I think you're probably right in the sense that that's a reality that we are dealing with. Um, I don't think it's explicit so much, though. I, I, I just don't. I think if you ask most people, uh, they would they would tell you, you know, if I'm righteous, um, you know, to say God blesses me because I'm righteous with health and wealth. If you ask them that directly, I think they'd say, uh, no, I don't believe that. But I think sort of tacitly, I think we do believe that. I think there's there's a little bit of that going on where, we're, you know, and then there's the bargaining that we try to do with God. Oh, God, if if you'll just help me get better or if you'll just heal grandma or if you'll just, you know, if you'll just make this cancer go away. I'll, I'll never miss another church service. And, and we think that somehow bartering these things that we're afraid of losing with God, who already holds all things in his hands, as if that is actually making a cosmic difference. That is really the majority of, of what fears in general are. It's the fear. What we fear most is losing. We lose things. We lose stuff. We lose relationships. We lose people. We lose our, lose our minds. I mean, you know, what, all of the things that we're really afraid of, it's those things being taken away from us. So to combat that, we live for something. And, and I just can't tell you it's the 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 position that, that you've described that we're all in 20th and 21st century America, um, the emptiness that has followed our prosperity is amazing. <laughs> Just as we've gotten more stuff and more ways to experience stuff and more opportunities to have things, our lives are emptier than ever. What is the purpose of life? What is the point? Do, does your life have any meaning? apart from your things. So you do the simple, do the simple, take everything away from you. Every, and he had his children taken away from him. The only thing God allowed him to keep was that Mrs. Job, who wasn't a whole lot of help. I don't know if it was, it just wasn't going to be a loss. I think that's why she, <laughs> why he let her, <laughs> you know, why he let him keep her. Um, you know, the whole curse God and die thing. That was, it's just a moment of weakness. Maybe we're too hard on her, but um, nonetheless, what is the measure of your life? And, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, you know, it's all about family. Well, okay. What if your family's taken away? What is it about them? And if we'll face the reality that death is inevitable, you are going to have your family taken away. Either you're going to be left as they go on before you, or you're going to leave them. In either case, you don't, those bonds are severed. So what does the math add up to? If I take away everything that I hold dear in this life, what am I left with? 
and see the life that Paul and Peter and John and Jesus are telling us that we live for. We have something that cannot be taken away from us. What the devil could threaten to take through the machinations of his evil plans through to do his will and seducing them to do terrible things, raping and killing and stealing and war and all those things. What if we could something that nobody could take away from us? What if we were free from that fear because the one thing that we were living for could not be taken away from us? And then add to that the bonus of being in a world where there's a few other people who hold that same thing dear, and we have that in common, that that thing is what binds us together. Not just the social pleasantries of church, but the singular nature of what we're living for. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So you can take away my family and you can take away my life. You can take away my goods, my money, my job. What can you not take away? Just If we do that math, then we start in looking at what is it we're actually afraid of. And that's how, that's how they'll get us. Mm. Whoever, whoever it is we're afraid of, as long as they know they have that power. And so we have to, no matter how much we love our families and I would hate for anybody to walk away from this thinking, Oh, Phil says, don't care about your families. I just abandon your kids. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying what else is there in life? And you've, got to find something to really anchor yourself to. Otherwise, that fear holds you hostage to whoever holds that. If it's the devil or if it's mm. your boss or if it's your family or if it's your government, you are a hostage to whatever you fear losing. And so we get to the point where we're not even afraid they'll take our lives because I know as long as I am at home in the body, I'm absent from the Lord. And so come, Lord Jesus, even so, you come quickly. We, that's hard to say at Christmas, and it's hard to say at Easter. That's right. you know, hard to say when the family's yeah. all together, and it's hard to say when your team's winning and your party just took off. It. That's hard to say when you just got the promotion. But when is it not true? Well, and, and – I think, you know, of course, everybody would probably say right now would probably be one of the best times to actually say it. <laughs> but getting, you know, getting back to what you were saying earlier, I mean, I can't think of a more obvious example of what our current society holds dear than what we've had happen to this country because of the preservation of life. Because we've said, you know, the most important thing is your life and your health. And so we are going to, in essence, lock you in your home and not allow you to go about your normal life because we want you to preserve it. And, and so everyone here is looking around and yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got Netflix and we've got, you know, the food and we've got each other, you know, and, and we can talk on our phones and, and, and talk through Zoom and things like that, but it's not living. It's so sterile. It's, it's so empty. Like you said, yeah, and that absolutely. emptiness, yeah, that that chases yeah. us. I mean, yeah, it, 
this is this is a a great time to see that but again it's it's so hard like you said when things open up when we go out and we see the sunshine and we we smell all of the wonderful things and it we realize oh the time that i have is my own and and i am the captain of my my destiny um the, the only clarification yeah. I, I would <laughs> offer in that is to say for a time they're telling us to stay at home and to preserve life for a time that there will come a time when we can engage all of the old standard you know social behaviors without fear um I think my my view of that would be really different if they said, oh, well, COVID-19 is just an existential threat from now on. Um, so you're just going to have to, you know, shelter at home. I would just say, forget that. Uh, if if that's the way I'm going, I'm going. That's I'll just OK, let's let's go out choking, I guess. I don't know. Let's I, I don't know. I, I'm, but <laughs> but the, the point I'm making is that. I'm I'm all for sheltering in place to preserve life as long as that's a, a temporary measure that we we understand that we actually love our neighbors enough right that we don't want to either carry it to them or get it from somebody else and then you know through different stages and we give that to somebody who's more vulnerable and it might actually kill so I get that. I, I, we're right. trying to preserve life, and it's really actually very encouraging to see <clears throat> the most of humanity has joined that crusade, that they value life, that they think of it as precious. And it doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republicans or whether they're Americans or Italians or Chinese people or atheists or Christians or whatever. We can get behind that one thing. Life is valuable. And the life of your neighbor is valuable. And let's let's take care of each other. But it just circles right back around to God saying, this is life. Here is life. Let me give you life is in these commandments. Life is is in this law. I, I can show you how to, first of all, have the best kind of life here and now without regrets, without fear without disturbance, without loss. And I can give you a way to live forever. And so we might be able to transition people's very deep concern for life over the past several weeks into an understanding of what real life is. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yes, and you're exactly right. And 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 you know the small victories that we have of the world celebrating life. I mean, those are definitely moments that we can we can cheer and say, "Yay! Let's let's not kill each <laughs> yeah, other for a yeah. day." You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not. Right. So, really, the last thing that I wanted to ask you, Phil, um, you know, as we've we've already discussed, we, we know as we we take on the name of Christ, we've we've in essence we've killed ourselves, our old our old man is put to death. We have resurrected with Christ as a new creature. We've put him on. We're allowing him in essence to, to steer us and we follow his directive. So as we are on this mortal walk and we start to approach our own end, how do we, how do we do that in the, I don't want to say the most righteous way, 
but in the way that is the most courageous, um, in the way that is most effective. I guess what I'm thinking is, I know for me, I don't do well with long periods of pain. And it's not a constant worry, but I, that is a prayer that I've offered is, Lord, when it is my time, please do not let it be painful. Um, I know there are some people that worry about losing, like you said, losing their cohesiveness, losing their minds um, because of things that might be in their family, uh, genetic disorders and such, or um, presupposed for certain types of ailments. And you know, we, I know that we can pray for certain things, but how can we approach our own end and not let it, that last chapter cripple well, us? That, that's in Second Corinthians 4 through 5, I think, that when he begins there about verse 16, and he's talking about the, the inner man versus the outer man, while the inner man grow stronger and better the outer man is perishing and that's not sort of a that might happen that's a definite thing you go read ecclesiastes 11 just watch you're going to watch the tower fall it's just little bits and pieces of you are going to start falling off and you're just not going to be the same structure that you once were and the the laws of entropy and you know thermodynamics are at work against us all the time you and I need to accept that too. I mean, that's, that is inevitable. If you live long enough, you become decrepit. And so what does that mean? Well, Paul says, while the outer man is perishing, the inner man is growing new, stronger day by day. And all of that ultimately culminates in the time where we're with the Lord. And you fast forward to the end of the book of Revelation where he talks about a place where there are no tears. There is no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. We are meant to understand from 1 Corinthians 15 that the corruption will put on incorruption. The mortal will put on immortality. We are headed toward a place and a state of being wherein there will be no debilitating issues of, of age, or of dementia or of the you know relentless march of time on your your physical self that is the thing that comforts i don't know how many millions of people as they've marched toward old age and they've marched toward the ultimate end and they've marched toward senility and they they i mean it, you're, you're just forward facing and you're saying I am not going to keep getting better physically, but I can keep getting better spiritually. Even if I start losing my mind, what have I built up to that point? I can't think of a better reason to get started early than that. If, if, if I'm going to be the kind of person who succumbs to some form of dementia um, from any one of the family of things that, that creates that, I really don't have time to sow white oats. <laughs> if I know my grandfather died of Alzheimer's, I don't have time to live like a reprobate in college. I've only got so many years before I may have that same problem. I don't have a time to be promiscuous. I do not have time to drink part of my life away and see if I can avoid alcoholism. 
I don't have time to try heroin. I don't have time to try meth or cocaine. I, I don't have time for any of that. If I know there's a possibility, perhaps a, an increased risk for me to lose my mind, I must get while the getting's good. And see, we're not always willing to talk about those things with young people, first of all, because we're a little afraid to talk about it. <laughs> we are fearful of and I'll tell you what it is, a superstition. We, I think we're, we're afraid sometimes if we talk about it, mm. and David hit on that too. And I thought that was, that was brilliant, but you know, we never named it that, but that's what it is. It's superstition. If I worry enough about a thing, that thing won't happen. Or if I don't call it out loud, it's like the boogeyman, you know, it won't show up. If I don't say it three times in the mirror, it won't just show up in front of me. Well, that's not true. <laughs> Avoiding it and not talking about that's not true. If we can just face these things head on and say, okay, here's the reality, you know, uh, okay, uh, here, Sam, your grandfather died of Alzheimer's, your great grandfather died of what we think was Alzheimer's. The chances are pretty good. You're going to have Alzheimer's. I know what's going on at your high school. You've only got one life and you've only got a short time to make it happen. You probably don't have as much time as some of your, classmates do boy you know you start talking like that to some teenager and you know child protective services may come knocking on your door you know but i mean that's that's exactly <laughs> the kind of thing i'm talking about is that we live a different reality it's the actual reality i i don't live my life in fear of the end of it that uh you can you can be obsessed with that conclusion and miss all of the really exciting stuff in between and the development uh, of the life that you have with God. The, the thing about walking with him is that there's something exciting that in the development and that if you'll stay focused on who you're becoming with an occasional glance at the end, then you'll find that you enjoy that journey. You, you enjoy the trip that you're taking with him. Um, if all you ever do is look at the distance of that, you know, you, you would never learn to enjoy that. If, uh, and, and that's how some people live. I, I know folks who live like that, just dreading the conclusion of something. And so they let that ruin. Yeah. Um, you know, when you were in school, you had different periods. And you learned how to segment your life and say, okay, well, I've got Algebra 2, six period. Well, I can either let that ruin my whole day or I can enjoy all of the classes that I'm taking and the experiences that I'm having through the day and just deal with that and, and calling it things that it's not and resisting its inevitability and its finality and its irreversible nature. Um, has, has not been very helpful. I think what you'll find is if you let God teach you how to live, you don't worry so much about whether you're going to die now, later, or how that's going to happen. So if, if we'll focus on what God says about living and how to live, we come to the point where we don't fear death so much. But if, by obsessing about our death, we find that's the only thing we can think about. That's the nature of obsession. And that's how that, how that goes down. So 
you know, people worry about things, but it's like a, like a rocking chair. It gives you plenty to do, but doesn't really get you anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But boy, are we good at rocking sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, big and long sweepy sort of movements, but, but really genuinely God, part of the exciting aspect of that, God is going to join your life with the lives of hundreds and maybe thousands of other people. And you're going to learn about what life really means while you're here so that you appreciate it more. And the more of it you experience, the more of it you will want and the greater your desire for eternal life will become. Whereas if all you can do is think about how it ends and what's going to happen on that day and whether you're going to go painfully or not, if you'd let yourself think about those kinds of things, you don't get what life is all about. You miss that whole experience. And I don't know anybody who will pay 10 to $15 to go to a movie and wait outside by the trash cans until they know the movie is almost over and they go in and watch the last two minutes. And then they say, well, that wasn't that great a movie. Nobody <laughs> does that. You want to get the whole experience and then you can tell if it was good or not. It's impossible to judge at the beginning of a thing how great it will be at the end, especially if all you're focused on is the end. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even, as you've said, it's not even the true end. It's the, um, it's, it's that transition. And it, I think that's hard for us to see because, you know, of all things, that's probably one of the areas that we have least written about in the Bible is you know that moment that moment when the spirit does separate from the body what is that like is it is it the angels coming to get us you know as was said in the the parable of you know the rich man and lazarus you know is it you know i know i've i've had people ask you know are we immediately transported to judgment day i i, I don't know i don't know there's so much that we don't know and i think it's that uncertainty that that not knowing what the answer is that gives people so much uncertainty. And, and the more uncertain you live, if you live without discovering the actual path that God wants you to be on, the more uncertain you're going to be about that. The, the more yeah. you pursue the life that he prescribes, the less concerning that is, the less unknown that is to you. Again, there will always be mysteries that we do not completely understand because we're not God. But within those things, he gives us clues. He gives us indications. He gives us enough to know this. Well, whatever it is, it's a whole lot better than anything here. Jesus, oh, yeah. Jesus was in a hurry to get back. I, I'm not saying that he didn't enjoy his time here with us, but... He was in a hurry to get back because he was blazing a path. He was showing us how to get there. How do we get to God? We'll yeah. follow the one guy who was there, who came here, and then went back. Th that's really what the New Testament is about. You, you, know, you want to be where God is, then follow the one guy who's been there and came here and then went again. He knows the way. Yeah. And the uncertainty of death is almost always linked with uncertainty about life. If you don't know how you're living, if you're not sure about how you're living, 
you are absolutely going to be afraid of what happens next because you don't understand what it is. The more certain you are about how you live, the more certain you are about what death is for you. And you can, you can face it bravely. You can face it with great confidence. You can say, come Lord Jesus, either way, come get me or, you know, I'm coming to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's great. That's great. Well, I'm hoping this wasn't too morbid of a topic Always. <laughs> for, your, for your first episode. <laughs> well, maybe we'll talk about something a little more um, surface level happy, but you know, it, and that's another thing we, we don't want to talk about it because, well, it's, don't talk about it. I'm just going to be super, super, super old. Well, I've got news for everybody. I've seen super, super old people. That's not really much of a goal. Yeah. I mean, I met a, I met a, <laughs> I met a guy once who was 106. He was about as spry as any 106 year old person has ever been. And I'm telling you, that guy was in a hurry to get out of the body that was holding him back for the life he mm. knew was waiting on the other side. Mm. And when he prayed, yeah. that's what it sounded like. And, you know, I was probably mm. 24 when I met that guy. And I, I remember thinking about that, you know, that's, that's the definition of aging gracefully right there is to say, man, this is the pits. I'm ready to get out of this place and get on to something better. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's the power of god using using people you know to teach us lessons that we may not have learned otherwise <laughs> yeah that's true that's true and you know and there and there we are you know that guy didn't waste a minute thinking boy i wish i was 30 again boy i wish i was 20 again yeah. but i mean that's nonsense you can't be there are no time machines and there are no scientists who are doing that kind of work. And even if they were, you couldn't afford it. Just get over that kind of nonsense and say, every year of my life is going to be the best one because I'm going to make it as good as it can be. And every year forward is closer to the actual goal. And every year forward is filled with wisdom that I didn't have before. And every year forward mm -hmm. is an improvement because I know better than I did last year, than I was last year. I can help show other people the way better than I used to. There's so many things to focus on and think about instead of, you know, oh, well, my arthritis is acting up. Yes, I know it is. And it, it's going to until it stops. And you know when it, st you know when it stops? I mean, I, I know the prescription, you know, to be relieved of all of those burdens. So, you know, yeah. and I don't want to yeah. make light of getting old. I, it is, it is a hardship. If you survive, there's physical hardship involved in that. And I don't really want to make light of that. I'm headed that way. And I know that that's true. And if you live long enough, you get old. And I'm not trying to make light of that. But you can either be miserable about what you're, you've lost, your youth, or you can be excited about what it is you have gained and what there is yet in front of you to gain. Those are the, really the only choices you have. And people who live in that past that is irretrievable are miserable. Well, Phil, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, 
for sharing your time and your wisdom and your expertise with us tonight on this, this topic. And um, definitely looking forward to our, our next, um, our next podcast together. I don't know what the topic will be, but uh, maybe I'll let you pick <laughs> that one. <laughs> well, I had a great time. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me and appreciate this. I think it's going to be helpful and uh, maybe a lot of different ways that you're, um, you've, you've done a good thing. Sure. You just keep it up. I'm looking forward to hearing what else happens and uh, happy to come back if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'd love it. Can you um, can you share some some information for anyone who's listening about where they can find uh, some of uh, your stuff and uh, what you've got going? Oh uh, well, um, of course, at the Expressway Church, we've got a, a website called BibleTalk.org. Um, B i b l e t a l k dot o r g, and we are updating there all the time with new sermons every week. Got them in video form, got them in audio form if you'd rather just listen to them. Um, we've just added a new feature called Express Talks. There's small little things. A lot of them have been related to the coronavirus stuff that's been going on. Um, and we've added some Bible class material. And of course, that keeps us pretty busy over there. But <laughs> Phil Arnold, you know, associated with the Expressway Church. Um, yeah. And of course, if anybody wants to contact me, you know, let me know through this. If there's something I can do to be helpful, I'd be happy to to have somebody reach out. I don't know what it might be, but happy to do it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That is so great. And again, um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And thank you to uh, to Phil for being my guest tonight. Phil, would you would you mind um, leading us in, in a quick prayer to uh, to wrap this up? Sure. I'm happy to. Father, the maker of heaven and earth, all things that we see, all things that we are aware of, we are so thankful that you've given us life, that you breathed into us life, and that you hold that in the palm of your hand. We're so thankful, Father, for this brief pilgrimage that we live here. We pray that you'll help us as pilgrims to be good students. We might learn things that we are supposed to take out of life that you have placed there for us to harvest. We pray that you'll help us to be mindful of the things that are true and real, that we might find the purpose that you've put within us, that we might find that purpose fulfilled by living for Jesus Christ, that you'll help us every day to do that very thing. We pray that you'll help us in all of these things, that we might not fear that reaper, the one who comes after us, and that haunting specter that hangs over our, our very existence. We pray, Father, that you'll give us the strength to claim our victory through Jesus Christ and know that we have life eternal waiting for us through the power that comes through what he accomplished on the cross and by raising from the dead. We pray all of these things in his name. We pray that you'll bless all those who listen. We ask it in his name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Phil, and thank you to everyone who's listened tonight. Um, God bless you all. Please continue to stay healthy and safe, and uh, just remember that you are not alone, and we are with you. So thanks, Phil, and uh, you go safe, and uh, we'll talk thanks. with you all again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks.